Hey, so if you're not to First John yet, um, keep going there. But so, um, so we, we have a minivan in, at the Miller home. We have a Dodge Grand Caravan minivan. And, and one of the things that ever since we, we shifted from a Chevy Uplander minivan to a Dodge Grand, one of the things that just blew me away, I mean, it, it, okay, let me just say what it is. I know first world problem, <laughs> but with this minivan, you actually have to turn on your headlights and turn them off. There's no auto headlight thing. There's no little sensor somewhere that says it's dark. I better turn the lights on. Bing. Or it's light. You don't need the lights. Bing. There's no auto. I mean, I've had vehicles from the 90s. I remember vehicles in the 90s, 1990s, and they had automatic headlight turn on, whatever it's called thing. And, 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 you know, the thing that, that got me, and so by now we've had two of these Dodges. We understand that's the way the Dodge thing goes. Maybe just, but here, here's, here's what I know. This is what I know. Is the, the, the thing, thing about it is that was standard equipment, right? It's just standard. Now, I would, I would bet, I haven't looked into it, and I've never, I've never ordered a car, but if I ever ordered a car, like sat at the dealership and said, okay, this, this is what I'd like, and I'd like all, the, I, I, all these options, um, I would definitely say auto turn on light thing. Make sure I get that auto turn on light thing in the vehicle. But here's, here's what I know. In our van, that was standard equipment. That's what it just came with. It came with turn it on yourself. There are options that you could have had in that van, just like there are options you could have, could have probably got in your car, but whoever ordered that car originally didn't order those options. It was just standard, standard equipment just came with. As we're studying 1 John in authentic faith, we're not talking about options. As we're studying 1 John, you know what we're talking about? Standard equipment. Like standard, like First um, uh, John chapter one. This it's just standard Christianity. This this isn't like hey think about it. And if if you think about it, um, what you ought to do is walk in the light of Jesus Christ instead of the darkness. Just think about it. it you might add that to your life. No, <laughs> I mean, if, in fact, it, it pretty much comes right out and says you're a liar if you think that you're saved walking in the light of Jesus Christ, but there is blatant darkness in your life, blatant sin. You know it's sin, it's wrong. You understand that, but you're like, I don't really care. And when it comes to your salvation and my salvation, John is saying, something's not meshing here. Some, wrong, you're a liar is what it says. That, that's, that's just basic. When, when you think about the other standard equipment of loving one another, chapter two, obeying his commands, that's just standard equipment. That just comes with Christianity. That's not an option. Uh, standard equipment, the gospel message, chapter two, remaining in you. And now John brings us back in a piece of standard equipment once again that he had already talked about earlier on in this book. So when we get to chapter three, 1 John chapter three, verse 11, when we get there, he starts talking about how can we treat one another? How should we treat one another? Now, just before we get to the text, let me just throw something out to you. Because I, I heard this this week and I thought, that's good, that's good. I heard a couple things I'm going to share with you today. That, that's good, that's good. So there, there I say, um, how are we going to treat one another? Well, there's a way to treat one another just naturally. Which, by the way, I know you're all heartbroken 
No notes today, so if you're reaching in the back of the seats, it's like, oh man, someone skipped my seat. Or someone that was really happy collected all the notes. No, no notes today. This is all just, you gotta keep it in your heart, spirit. You can write it down on a tithe envelope if you like, but here it is. There's, there's just like, how are you gonna treat someone? You can just treat, treat them just kind of naturally, or, or could I say even just like a, a worldly way of, of treating others, or you can treat them uh, Christ with Christ-likeness in a Christ-like way. So naturally, what is naturally? Well, naturally is this. If someone comes up and, um, and, and they're like, uh, they hate you, <laughs> then how are you gonna treat them back naturally? You hate me, hmm? I hate you. No power of the Holy Spirit needed on that one, right? You hate me, I If you're indifferent to me, and you're just like, eh, Scott's okay, but eh, I can take it or leave it, you know, guy. Then naturally, I'm just gonna be what? Indifferent to you. If you show love to me, naturally, just in natural kind of sense of things, how am I gonna respond to you? If you show love to me, I'll show love to you. And you have good taste, by the way. Right? That's just naturally. Now, how does that compare to Christ-like love? The, the Lord's way, the Christ-like way, the Holy Spirit way, is we wouldn't treat people the way we want to be treated as much as we would treat them the way that God treats us. Now, I know, I know, I get it. Scripture says, um, uh, love your neighbor as yourself. I understand that, but we're going to push that a little further today as we see some more words of what Christ says. But just think about the story of the Bible. Sin is hatred towards God. And so, so really, when you think about Christ-like love, what is it? If I, um, if I love God, what, how's God going to react to me? He's going to love me. If I'm indifferent to God, you know, take it or leave it. God's good for you. Oh, you, you like Jesus? You, you, you do that whole Christian thing? That's okay. That's all right. And if, I'm, if I just have that kind of an attitude towards God, then what? <laughs> He's going to love me. If I hate God and hate everything to do about God and, and I, I can't stand Christians, I can't stand any kind of Jesus talk and this whole religion thing, you and your weirdo Christians doing your Christian thing on Sunday morning, and if I just hate God, how is God gonna react to me? He's gonna love me. That's the Christ-like way. He will love me. God is love. Do you get that? Do you see the difference? The natural way is to respond the way the other person's but the Christ-like way is to love them. So as, as we think about this, it's, it's really too bad that we don't have anyone, anyone that I don't know. I'm just, just kind of throwing something against the wall here, just thinking, it's too bad we don't have anyone that perhaps lived with Jesus for, say, the last three years of his life, pretty tight with him, pretty close, that, because Jesus was the perfect example of Christ-like love, <laughs> he is Christ. <laughs> so he's, he was the perfect example of the love that we ought to ex exhibit to one another, other believers, he's the perfect example of that. Too bad we don't ha have somebody who was inspired by the Holy Spirit, who was best friends with Jesus, who, I don't know, maybe 40 times in five chapters would have mentioned the word love in his book. Ah, wait a minute, we do. First John, First John. Now, now, just when you think about John, um, just think about his baggage. Because as John is telling us, hey, you better love one another, 
In fact, right there it says, for the, this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. As John's saying that, let's not forget his baggage. Do you have baggage? Yeah, we all have baggage. Have you ever been hurt? I mean, have you, have you ever had hurts, like even from years ago, that you're still like, Lord, I thought that was healed, but I'm still, I still feel the pain of that. It's just, I mean, it, maybe it happened back when you were in school. That like, maybe, maybe it happened just recently, or, or maybe you lost someone like we talked about already this morning. It's like, you have baggage, you have hurt, you have pain, you have life. Life comes and life brings pain and hurt and situations and you have baggage. How can I love a God that would allow that to happen, let alone love one another? Let me tell you about John. Do you know John, his best friend was killed on a cross, Jesus Christ, right? John and Jesus looks like we're pretty tight. While Jesus was even hanging on the cross, what did he say to John? He's like, John, it's my mom. You knew that. <laughs> Take care of her. And that's how tight they were. Can you imagine the emotion of seeing your best friend crucified, also your Lord, your Messiah, crucified, and you're right there, and he's like even talking to you? While he's going through all of that, he has the, the sense of saying, I gotta make sure my mom's taken care of. John, take care. That's how tight they're. He saw that. I don't know about you, but seeing anyone, anyone crucified would be psychological, PTSD. I mean, you talk about psychological mess with you there. I was just, I think about John. He, he was probably somewhere in his upper years. In fact, I've seen anywhere from 80 to 100 years old by now. We don't know exactly how old he was. But as he's writing 1 John, he's old. And he's very likely one of the last original apostles, disciples, that ministered with Jesus alive at this point. At this point, he has seen every one of the disciples and the apostles that were his buddies, that were accomplishing the will of God, uh, taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. They were just doing what God told them to do. And what happened? Almost every one of them, Christian tradition says, were martyred for the case of Christ, for the cause of Christ. He watched and he heard about all of his friends, all of the other disciples and apostles. Talk about baggage. How about this one? How about, how about Acts chapter 12? Can you bring that up? There was somebody that was often mentioned with John. Let's read. I was, it was about the time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. Most would say they beheaded him. This is John's brother. John had baggage. Listen, I don't know what you walk through. I don't know where you're at. But if you're struggling to love other believers and other, you've got baggage, you've got hurt, you've got pain. I'm not belittling that, but I'm saying we all have. John, he had his baggage too. But somehow, through keeping his eyes on Jesus, through that time that he spent with Jesus, he learned this is how you love one another. Are you... Read to 1 John, 1 John chapter 3, verse 11. The love test. The love test. For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. It's like the idea that you go to the doctor, and if you walked in and said, hey, I, 
I, I, I think I have high blood pressure. And they put that thing on your arm and, and you're like, I think it's actually going through my arm. That's so tight. And they put the little thing and they listen for your thing and you know, you got a lot of things going on in the doctor. And, and thump, 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 thump. And you're like, you can feel it thumping. And they're like, your blood pressure's fine. Okay, I'll come back tomorrow. And day after day after day, you say, I think I got high blood pressure. And they're checking it and they're like, you don't have high blood. There's no symptoms. You don't have symptoms of any high blood pressure. There's nothing, you're not, whatever the symptoms would be, night sweats, I don't even know what it is, high blood pressure, pray I never have it. But here's, here's what I want you to get. For me to call myself a believer and not have the symptom of love for other believers, something's wrong. Something's missing. At the risk of sounding like a beetle, all we need is love. <laughs> all we need is love. No, 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 that's not all we need. But it's important. Love. Love for one another. And you know, Leviticus, you go all the way back, Leviticus. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. First five books of the Bible. This is, this is back there, folks. Go back to Leviticus. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against one of your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Jesus repeated this again, and, and you don't have to turn there, but in Matthew chapter 22, what are the greatest commands? Here, I'll give them to you. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, right? And love your neighbor as yourself. That sums it all up. Put it all together there. And then John takes it Excuse me, Jesus takes it, it's recorded in John. It's almost like Jesus just kind of, just, yeah, love your neighbor as yourself, but I want to help further define this. Look what he says here. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. Don't love just out of a natural, just kind of the natural, you love me, I love you, I hate you, you hate me, I hate you. Just love the way I loved you is what Jesus says. Jesus is saying there's going to be something different about those who follow Jesus. Those who are genuinely have authentic faith. And there's going to be a Christ-like love that will be at work among one another. And the source of that Christ-like love is not the inner hope, or excuse me, is not the inner strength that you have. The source of that Christ-like love to love people that have hurt you, that have pained you, that have left you, that have turned against you, that you thought were on your side, but then they turn against you. The, the, the thing that's going to give you the grace and the ability to do that is not just your own spizzerinctum. It's the gospel. It's Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit empowering you to love them. It's what Jesus did on the cross and rose again so that you could have the strength and the power. Oh, I'm not saying you like them as much as, but you love them. We'll talk more about that in a second. But there are some times where we see that doesn't happen. And that's where he starts to talk about this guy named Cain. Look at verse 12. Do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Let's clarify something. This idea where it's a challenge for even believers to love one another the fact that that's a challenge, this is nothing new. It's been around since the very beginning. Well, these youngsters, they got the TikTok and all kinds of stuff. It's sending them straight to the... And I, I'm not a big fan of TikTok. I'll just tell you that right now. But here, here's... I, I, I don't understand that... 
I'm just like, in the late 80s, early 90s, I was doing Sound of Friends, like it was a, a swing choir, Sunburst, and now it's coming back and they're recording it on TikTok. This doesn't, and they're like getting family members, whole families sitting there just doing a video together. And I don't, I, I erased TikTok off my phone some time ago, but in my Facebook feed, sometimes he's a t- Okay, anyhow, um, I'm just telling you, Culture today is pointing people away from God. We just understand that. But go all the way back to the beginning. Uh, Adam and Eve um, had a couple kids. <laughs> there wasn't a whole lot of culture. There wasn't a whole lot of culture. Why do you say that? Because it's sin. It's, it, the core is, is, is it's really sin. And so Cain and Abel were, were brothers. And, um, and, and so... Um, as, as we look at this, Cain was a farmer, Abel was a rancher, and let's read what happened in Genesis. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he didn't look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Now, Cain and Abel were going to have what we could call like even church today, they're going to meet with the Lord. They went to the Lord and they brought worship. It's like, I'm just gonna worship you with my first fruits. In a sense, my tithe, the very first. First fruits, I'm gonna, off the top of everything, before I do anything else, just like Megan and I, and I, and I encourage you as well, we don't sit around and say, let me see if I have enough money to, to tithe. Uh, no, I tithe and then I just watch as the Lord provides. Okay, we'll move on. Um, but that's, they were bringing their worship. And the Bible says, God looked at the offering of Cain and rejected him. And they looked at Abel's offering and accepted him. What was the difference? What was the issue? They both had, it wasn't like Cain was selling drugs on the side and it was ill-gotten gain, you know. He's like, uh, no, 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 no. It, it, was, it was a noble, I mean, you're, you got a farmer, you got a, a, a rancher. Um, These are noble things. What was the difference? Well, I'll tell you what the difference was. Here's here's what you gotta see. The problem was not what was in their hands. What was in their hands? It brought an offering, brought an offering. It was what was in their heart. And we know from 1 Samuel 16, 7, the Lord does not look, look at the second part of that. The Lord Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And so God knew, as Abel brought what was in his hands, and God saw his heart, it's like, there's a real heart of worship there. As Cain brought what was in his hands, oh, it looks just like his, even better, I brought you more, look at me. But God said, in fact, he even said later on in scripture, it says, sin is crouching at your door, Cain, you better deal with this. And sure enough, it was, and soon after that, he, he murdered his brother, so that that's a, that brings a hard question to all of us. Is, let's just remember, as we bring our offerings of praise, our offerings of, a, of a, Romans 12, 1, a life lived as a sacrifice to the Lord. God, we just, I give you my life. I give you everything I do. I do it all for your worship, for your glory. Let's make sure that we, we're doing that not just out of religious rote, just this is what we do as Christians, but we're really doing it as a heartfelt love for Jesus. I don't want my worship just to be something that's just on the outside only, but it, it, it starts inside here. The heart and the hands matter. So as we come to meet with the Lord, I have to ask, have I brought my worship with my hands and have I brought my worship with my heart because God cares about both of those things. So as we, as we keep moving, we, we, we get to verse 13. 
Do not be surprised, my brothers, if the world hates you. Let's just stop there for a second. Don't be surprised. You know, the natural way, we've talked about this, I'm going to love you, you're going to love me, I'm going to be indifferent to you, you're going to be different to me. I, 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 you hate me, so I hate you. That's a natural way. The Christ-like way, the godly way is this. I mean, this is what you think even, we're talking about the world now. We're talking about people outside of faith, outside of the church. Now, it's getting ready to get, get a little deep here, so follow me here. But people, as we love people outside of the church, What's the natural idea? Well, I'm going to just, I'm going to show acts of love. And then they're going to love me back. And, or I'm going to get love from Jesus. And then, and then, and then I'm going to love others. And then they're going to love me back. That's the natural thought process, the way it ought to work, right? But, um, but what, what often will happen is we can, we can get the love of Jesus in our heart. And out of the love of Jesus, we're going to serve. We're going to do things. We're going to show expressions of love to people that don't know Christ and they're still going to hate us. And, and we're like, whoa, that's kind of surprising. Ah, don't be surprised, my brothers, if the world hates you. You see, as, as, as Christians, we've talked about it many times before. We talk about the immovable center it's kind of a big word, but the immovable center in every believer's life is what? Jesus Christ. That's my immovable center. Everything I, it's not like as a, as a Christian, I have several priorities. As a believer in Jesus Christ, I have several priorities. And No, I have one priority. And that's Jesus Christ at the center to bring glory to him, to point people to him. And out of that, then all my other priorities flow. People that are outside of church, outside of faith, What's at the center? Well, they, they, they have many priorities, or they put other things or other idols or other stuff at the center, right? So, so when we're talking about how, well, uh, and, and, and there are many people, and maybe, well, let me just say, there are many people who even get upset at the fact that Jesus Christ is at the center of our lives, that we would dare take a scripture out of the holy book of Christianity the word of God, and we'd say, well, this is what the Bible says about that. You, you, you want to see if, if, if people will get mad at you or hate you. I'm not saying you should do this, but just go out there on social media, go out wherever, and just say this. Um, God created marriage between a man and a woman. And what will happen? People will get angry. People will get mad. Don't be surprised by that. Because they're, they're not living out of the same direction we are. How about this one? God created two genders. I just, read it in my, in, I just read it in my devotions this week. God created male and female. There's two genders. God created that. There's no getting around it. That's biologically, that's the way he created them. Now, let me stop for a second and say, because of the sin of our culture, it breaks my heart that there may even be people right here in this room that you've struggled with that identity. You struggle with your sexual identity. Am I, am I a guy, or am I, am I a gal? How's that work? And I, and I don't quite. I'm, I'm heartbroken that you live in a society, that we've allowed to get so out there, that even when we go to the doctor, and we have to put male or female, they've even at times added more, other things to check the box. My, our doctors, our hospitals, believe. I'm sorry that you're there, and my heart breaks for you, but I love you enough to tell you the truth. God created you the way he created you. He loves you, 
and he created you male or female. That's what God's word says. Now, if we say that out in the community, and we say that in places, there are people that aren't going to like you, am I right? And that's what John is saying. Don't be surprised. Listen to me. You will have to compromise. You, um, excuse me. You will, you will be pushed to try to compromise. You, there, there is, you're going to offend somebody. You and I have to decide right here, right now. You will offend somebody. Will you choose to offend your Lord or to offend someone, another person who doesn't agree with you? You, you just have to decide. And as believers, now's not a time. Now, now's not a time to just back off and just be silent. No, now's the time to let our faith show. Now, I don't think we need to be like this. I, I, I hate to even mention this place, but the Westboro Baptist Church. I don't know if you know, these are the people that hold up signs and say, God hates gays, God hates fags, you know, all this kind of craziness. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't put any stock in any of those people. But when it comes to issues of, of all issues of life, as believers, we can't compromise. We must stand for truth. And the question really is not, will you offend? The question is, who will you offend? And we just deliver the mail. One more thought on this, and I, I thought this was great. You gotta listen to me on this. We deliver the mail, we don't edit the mail. You see, uh, my sister Jackie, she has something that I don't have. She has a notebook. Um, uh, and Jackie, if you're watching, hi, good morning. She's in Wisconsin. But um, she has this notebook. And it's, it's memorabilia from my mom and dad before they died. And the, the first year Jackie was in college, at least first, maybe some say, I don't remember, but she was in college. My mom hand wrote her letters. Now, for some of you, you don't, you don't even remember the last time someone hand wrote a letter to you and you got it in the mailbox. This was like before cell phones. Um, we did have telephones back then. We're talking late 80s, early 90s, right? Um, there were telephones, but no email. No. And so my mom wrote her letters. And can you imagine, can you imagine if, uh, if, if before those letters got to Jackie, if the male person just grabbed those and like, oh, uh, here's something about her little brother, Scott. She doesn't need to know that. No. <laughs> oh, the weather? Who cares? She's in Missouri and everyone's back home in Indiana. She don't care. And, she, and the, 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 the male lady just went through and just said, blip, blip, blip. But that's exactly what some Christians, those in the church, they'll just like, oh, this part, oh, it says that in the Old Testament. Wait, 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 wait. It's affirmed in the New Testament? Okay, well, I don't, you know what? I'm just, I'm just, just take a black marker and just wipe it out. Wipe it. We're, not, we're not called to edit the mail. We're just called to deliver it. And if that means that someone is offended and hurt and it gives them pain, we can do it in a loving fashion. We can do it in a way that, listen, it's the love of Christ that compels me. It's not uh, American tradition. It's not even church tradition. It's the love of Christ. It's the fact that I don't want anyone to enter into a Christless eternity. And if I really loved you, I wouldn't stand here and just roll over and let you fall into sin. If I really loved you, I'd say, here's the word of God. And you put your hope in Christ. And I'm telling you, the gospel works. It works. We just deliver the mail. 1 John, verse 14, chapter 3. says this real quick. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. Anyone who does not love remains in death. 
Love is both a mark and a test. It's a mark because when you see someone who confesses, if Scott Miller says, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, then um, one, one of the, the marks of that is the way that I love others. And it's a test because it really shows whether the Christian faith is really in Scott Miller or not. Am I right? I mean, if Scott goes around, isn't it weird when people talk about themselves like this? If Scott goes around and Scott is like this, what? If, if I'm not loving others, if I don't sh- express love to others and other believers in particular in the context of this, then something's, something's not right. I, I need to work through that. Verse 15, look at that. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer. Uh-oh. And you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. The heart of a murderer originates with hate and anger. Let me ask you something. Who do you hate? There are different ways to murder people. Sometimes we want to murder by murdering their reputation. We murder their business. We make them pay vengeance, murder them relationally or socially, trying to get other people to not like them. Well, it's not like I murdered someone. Hello, Pharisee. Do you know that's exactly where the religious elite were? The Pharisees? Look look at this. Matthew chapter 5 on the screen. You have heard that it was said to people long ago, do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. Stop for just a second. That's where the Pharisees were like, yeah, right. I'm not going to murder anyone. I would never. I am a Pharisee of Pharisee. I would never murder anyone. The Pharisees read the law, and they literally wouldn't have. But, but listen, yet they were angry enough with Jesus that they would soon plot his death, though they would not do the dirty work themselves. Verse 22 then, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Raka, not Racco, but Raka, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says, you fool, you'll be in danger of the fire of hell. If your anger reaches the point where you could murder someone, seething, brooding bitterness, this isn't just sun, I told you to mow the lawn and now it's dark and... I can't believe you didn't do this. I told you, I'm so angry with you. Oh, oh, Dad, Pastor Scott said you just murdered me. (laughs) No, this is like, we're excommunicating you. I mean, when they use this word raka, they'd be excommunicating, they'd be putting, it'd be like, it'd be a naughty word. It'd be a word you wouldn't want to say around your mother. I mean, it'd be like, you idiot, you fool. Raka. I mean, that's, that's how they would use this. And the anger would see this. It's not the actions. It's the intent. It's not what's in your hand. It's what's in your heart. It's, it's both. I didn't murder them, but I murdered them in, your, uh, in my heart. Hating someone is equal to murdering them in the sight of God. The natural way is to treat people the way they treat us. The godly, Christ-like way is to treat the people the way Jesus would treat them and that's tough it's hard to love our enemies am I right it's hard to love people that have hurt us and Jesus said that's where I need you to go that's where I need you to be going it's hard Christianity that's for a bunch of sissies you guys gather in your churches and you think you just are better than everybody else and I could you, you guys are a bunch of sissies you light hearted you don't know what you're doing Let me tell you, it's harder to love your enemies than it is to hate them, right? I mean, 
You think about that. Christianity isn't for sissies. What I'm teaching today isn't for sissies. This is, this is for people who understand I need help beyond myself. Who are you angry at? You hear their name, you hear their story, and you can physically feel the anger rising up in you. The key is to forgive them. I'm, I'm talking standard equipment today. This is an option. This is, as a believer in Christ, I must choose to forgive. Pass it on to a higher court. Let, let the Lord work out the vengeance in this all. Decide, I'm not going to take this anger any further in my life. It's not worth it. In fact, this is a gift for you to say, God, I was so hurt. I was so pained by them. And in the natural, I want to see this happen to them. But God, I take all that, all that emotion, all that hurt, all that, and I just give it up to you, Lord. And I'm going to trust, even when I don't see it, you're working, you're doing something. And I'm going to rest in that. We forgive our enemies because if we don't, we become just like them. In Proverbs chapter 12, verse 18, it says, There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. How do you speak to people? How do you speak about people? We murder one another with our words, insults, critical comments, and you're like, but it's true, Scott. Hey, even if it is true, um, well, then we need to find a way to say it in love. We're talking to one another, brothers, sisters in the Lord. So hatred's not the route to go. Let's go to verse 16 now. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for a friend, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? One phrase, big idea, verse 16 and 17, big idea, here it is. Love gives. Love gives. For God, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he just gave us some good stories. and some, uh, just, Here's a couple poems. Good luck. He gave us his son. He gave us. And he loved us, so he gave us. As believers, we love one another. And so there ought to be a tangible giving of those things that we have, a sacrificial love like we would see in Jesus. Matthew chapter 10, verse 42 even says, if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones because he is my disciple, I tell you the truth, he will certainly not lose his reward. Even there's, there's love for one of these other disciples, these other believers. And I know, I, th I think we do a pretty good job at this, but let's just keep it up and let's keep going. Let's keep going. Let's love one another in this church. Let's serve one another in this church. And let's serve the church as a whole. Let's continue. Do you know right now you are a part of feeding over 100,000, 100,000, let me say it again in case you didn't get it the first or second time, 100,000 kids in Haiti every day. Every day. You, through Mission of Hope, through Convoy of Hope, one of our strategic missions partners, every day. Yes, we're educating them. Yes, we're uh, teaching them basic life skills. Yes, we're giving them a curriculum that they can understand. Yes, we're helping them have clothing. But every day, every kid that comes into one of these schools gets fed. It may be the only meal they have, and you are doing that through your, through, through your strategic missions partnership. Listen, let's keep loving on the least of these around the world, in our own country, in our own area. Let's show it tangibly, but let's make sure that we don't just give offerings to go overseas and not love our neighbor who lives down the street. 
Let's show our love for one another, especially in the body of Christ. Let's show our love for those other believers. And then let's finish up with verse 18. Worship team, would you come? Verse 18, while they're coming, take a look at verse 18. Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. With actions and in truth. Let's not water it down. As we love one another, there are gonna be times when you might see something in your brother's life, and you're like, man, I don't, and there may be times, most of the time, where the best thing to do is just to pray. You see something in a brother or sister's life in the church, the very first step is you pray and you keep praying. But there's gonna be a time when maybe the Holy Spirit's gonna nudge you and say, you know what, you ought to love them enough to say, listen, I see this. I would hope that you would say something to me if you saw it in my life. Can I just toss this out there? This is what I see. Just, I just want you to know I see it. I love you enough. Let's, let's, dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. Let's bring the truth of the gospel, the truth of the word of God, and let's let our, let's let our lives be full, our love be full of action. The Bible says you can love your enemies in, in Luke 6, verse 27. Look at it. But I tell you who hear me, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Even this morning, I had to stop and pray as I was going over my notes. It's like, Lord, if there ever has been a time in my life where I have struggled in the past year and a half to love my enemies. It's been right now. And I got a feeling so have you. I mean, through this whole crud of COVID and all this stuff, I, I, even, I even don't even like saying that word. <clears throat> because there, there, is, there is a balance to this. There's a balance to, I am an American. I'm a taxpaying American and we have rights. Ultimately, I'm here as a believer. And this world's not my home, right? Ultimately, I'm going home to be with the Lord one day. And what a day that will be. But right now, God has put me for here and now. And, and when I see things in our country, it's right to stand up. It's right to say it. But at the same time, my, my focus is really is on the kingdom of God and furthering his kingdom and, and, and letting people see the love of Christ in me and loving others. But then there's also, I'm an American and, I, and I, I see some directions that our country is going and this isn't right. And, and, and the, the people in D.C. and Indianapolis and, and other places of power they got to understand, we're the, gov uh, we're the people. This is a government of the people, for the people, by the people. You get what I'm saying? There's angst. How do, I, how do I live in both these worlds, ultimately knowing this one wins? And sometimes in standing up for things and saying things, people push back and say, well, that's not very loving and that's not very Christ-like. And I was like, all I'm saying is I, I don't have all the answers. But let's just, let's just do this. As we continue to let our voice be heard, and I encourage you, as a citizen in our country, it's different than almost. And why do you think people are coming from all over the world wanting to come to the United States? It's because we have a great thing going here. And I, I think it's absolutely right for us to stand up for our freedom, especially religious freedom in our country. 
and, and, and to, to work for that, okay? Um, but as we do that, let's remember there's, we've got to do it with love and the love of Christ. And so when people in the community start disagreeing with us and hating us and whatever, let's make sure that the love of Christ is still evident. And I don't know the balance. I haven't figured it out. I'm just saying, Lord, today, help me to, help me to be balanced here. Let me stand for what's just. Is that godly? Let me stand for what's just and what's right. But let me do it in such a way that the love of Christ shows through me. But who is it that you're struggling to love? Love your enemies. As I even say that, who would you say your enemy is? Who is it that so deeply hurt you, pained you, and you're like, you can barely say the word of their name, whatever, it's just the pain, the hurt. Who is it that you're struggling? God says, I can empower you to love even them. Now, it may not happen right here, right now, today. You might not walk out of this place. You may, but you might not walk out of this place just feeling all this gushy love. No, but I'm talking like as a believer in Jesus Christ, Lord, I'm not going to go on the hate train this way. I'm going on the love train. I just came up with that. The love train. I'm getting on the train headed towards love. I'm going to love that person. Now, I may be on this train for a while because there's some forgiveness and some things I got to work through, but I'm going to end up loving them. And that's the direction I'm going. I'll never be perfect, but I'm going the direction of love. And I want to love that person. The prophet DC Talk said this, love is a verb, love is a verb. Don't care what you say, don't care what you've heard. The word love, love, love is a verb. Some of you have no idea who DC Talk even is, but I'm just telling you. And they weren't a prophet. But love is a verb, it's, it's action. Love is a verb. How you doing at this? I don't know your heart. You, you can't know my heart, but God knows. And so can we just invite the Holy Spirit to search our hearts for a couple moments today? Is there anybody I could do a better job loving? Because this is standard equipment. This isn't, okay, I'll get there. I'll add that later on. No, no, no. This is standard equipment that we need to love one another. You're struggling to love someone? Let's give it to the Lord. Would you stand as we respond in prayer today?